0: Today we are launching a new series entitled, The Minor Prophets, Who Cares? Uh, we're playing on a double meaning of the phrase, who cares, because who cares can mean at least two things. First, who cares can just mean, no, nah, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. Who cares about the history of the steamboat engine? You know, in 1807, Robert Fulton developed the first successful commercial steamboat engine and traveled up and down the Hudson River. And I know what you're thinking, Who cares? because it really doesn't matter to us. Um, In the video, there are guys preaching to a bunch of empty chairs. No one is there to listen, so who really cares what they were saying? The second meaning of who cares can describe a person who is passionate about something. My friend who cares about his golf game just bought a new putter for 200 bucks. Um, Both of those meanings of who cares apply to the minor prophets. First of all, the minor prophets are the most overlooked books in the Bible. Other than genealogies, they are probably the least read parts of the Bible. Um, You know, who cares what the minor prophets were about? It just doesn't seem like they matter. On the other hand, the prophets were people who cared. The minor prophets were passionate, passionate about faith in the God of Israel. And their passion led them to speak out and challenge the people. And because they were prophets, if it mattered to them, it must have mattered to God. And so in this series, we're going to look at five of the minor prophets and discovered what they cared about and allow them to speak out and challenge us. We're going to begin with the prophet Haggai. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Haggai chapter 2. Uh, the minor prophets are the last books in the Old Testament. So go towards the end of the Old Testament. Haggai is the third to the last book in the Old Testament. Or you can just look it up on your phones. Now, I'm not judging anybody here, and I'm not going to make you prove this, but just raise your hand if you know what it was Haggai cared about. Anyone know what Haggai cared about? Okay, that's totally okay. No judgment. Um, that means we've picked the right book. <laughs> um, Haggai cared about rebuilding the temple. Rebuilding the temple is what Haggai cared about. God made Israel into a nation and Israel was not faithful to God and for years, prophets had been warning Israel about their unfaithfulness, their idolatry, the injustice in their land. And the prophets warned them that God would send Babylon to take out Jerusalem, destroy the temple, and take the people into exile. And in 587 BC, that's exactly what happens. The Babylonians, under the leadership of King Nebuchadnezzar, they conquer Jerusalem, destroy the temple, and take the people into exile in Babylon. But the prophets also gave the people a reason for hope. And they talked about God bringing back a transformed remnant to Jerusalem. And when the Persians defeat the Babylonians a few decades later, King Cyrus of Persia allows the Jews to return to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And under the leadership of Joshua, not the same Joshua who succeeded Moses. This is a different Joshua. Under the leadership of Joshua and Zerubbabel, they return to Jerusalem and rebuild the city and their lives. And you can read about all that in the book of Ezra, chapters 1 to 6. Haggai's ministry begins in 520 B.C., 70 years after they are taken into exile. And Haggai is not happy with the situation, and he prophesies for over four months And one of the things he's not happy about is that the people are rebuilding their homes, but they're not rebuilding the temple. And Haggai tells them, your focus is all wrong. It's time to rebuild the temple. And that's Haggai chapter one. And at the end of Haggai chapter one, they start rebuilding the temple but it's not going real well. So Haggai comes to them again, and we pick up his message in Haggai chapter 2. Our scripture reader for this morning is Bill DeBruin. Bill, please make your way up to the podium. As he does, I'm going to ask you, if you're able, please stand and face the center of the room. We face the center of the room to remind us that scripture is to be central in our lives, and we stand because we believe that this is the word of God. And so, Bill... Whenever you are ready, please read from Haggai chapter 2, verses 3 to
1: 9. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. Be strong. All the people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I have covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake the nations and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant you peace, declares the Lord Almighty.
0: Bill, thank you very much. You may be seated. One thing that happened during the COVID-19 shutdowns is it gave us a chance to uh, binge watch shows on streaming services. Uh, My kids are in their late teens, early 20s, um, and one of the shows that they chose to binge watch um, was the show Friends. Um, Friends was a show my wife and I watched when it originally aired, and so it was fun for us watching our kids emotionally invest in Ross and Rachel and Chandler and Monica, Phoebe, Joey, and they still watch it. I came home yesterday after golfing, and one of my kids was watching an episode of Friends from the second season. Now, the show takes place in New York City, and the show ran from 1994 to 2004. It often showed the skyline of New York City. And so if you watch an episode from before 9-11, the Twin Towers are part of the skyline. And if you watch an episode from after 9-11, they're not. And shortly after 9-11, some of you may remember this, there was a lot of talk about what to do with that space where the Twin Towers used to stand. It ended up becoming a memorial for those who lost their lives, but there were those who advocated for rebuilding the towers, even building them taller than they were before. But regardless, every Friends episode's that I see the Twin Towers, I am reminded that the world was a different place then. The Jews have returned to Jerusalem after being in exile for decades. And they're back in their homeland that they've been dreaming about and yearning to go to return to the whole time they were in exile. And now they are there and they're rebuilding. And they quickly learn that Jerusalem is not the same place. It's not the same place it was before. They have work to do. And Haggai doesn't just see it as work they have to do. He sees the rebuilding of the temple as God's work. Haggai, who cares about the work of God, prophesies to them, and he sees resignation in them, that they are disillusioned, With reality, because they start rebuilding the temple at the end of chapter one, and it took a lot of work just to get the foundation back in order. And they look at the foundation and they realize this temple is never going to be as good as the old one. And why is the temple such a big deal? What does it have to do with the work of God? Well, the honor and glory of the Lord is connected to the temple. The temple was an outward sign of God's presence. In fact, the temple is where God's presence resided. And the rebuilding of the temple shows that God is dwelling with them again. The rebuilding of the temple is an act of dedication. It's an act of faith. The temple, again, it represents all that God stood for, all that God required, and all of what God could do. And so the rebuilding of the temple is a shift from resignation to, to faith. And Haggai comes and he sees the resignation when he says in verse 3, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Back in the glory days, three times a year, the Israelites would come to Jerusalem to celebrate a festival, the festival of Passover, and the festival of Pentecost, and the festival of Tabernacles. And tens of thousands would come to celebrate each of those festivals. And the temple would play a prominent role in those festivals. And as the remnant of Israel looks at the remnants of the temple, they just don't see how they can restore it to its former glory. It just won't be like it used to be. And that sounds familiar, doesn't it? When we look back at the past, and how things used to be, and then we look at our current situation, and we just conclude, mm, things are never going to be as good as they used to be. Now, there's two important details to this passage. First is that Haggai's name literally means festive. Haggai means festive. He was probably born during one of the festivals. So they named them Festive. That's what Haggai means. Second, in chapter 2, when Haggai is preaching, it's the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Tabernacles, one of the three major festivals that the Israelites would go to Jerusalem to celebrate. And it had been 70 years since any Israelites celebrated the festivals in Jerusalem. But this scene at the temple is depressing. Yes, we're all here in Jerusalem, it's tabernacles, but this just isn't the same. So the prophet named Festive is preaching on the last day of one of the major festivals, and he basically says, well, this isn't very festive, is it? Isn't much hope for a grand, glorious temple. And there's this sense of resignation. The temple will never be that great again, and it makes it hard to care about the work of God. So Haggai needs to reassure the people. Remind them that God is with them. Because being kicked out of their land and going into exile made them doubt that God was with them anymore. And Haggai reminds them of the Ruach, the spirit of God, which says, I am with you. Going back to verses 4 and 5 of the passage. Be strong now, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. And that word for spirit in verse 5 is ruach. And if you remember from Genesis chapter 1 in the creation story, it begins with that the earth was formless and empty and the spirit, the Ruach of God, hovered over the waters. And the same spirit that hovered over the waters at creation is the same spirit with them now. And the Ruach of God reminds the people of God's presence with them. And even though they had permission from the Persian empire to rebuild, They faced a lot of opposition from their neighbors who saw the rebuilding of Jerusalem as a threat. And there was a lot of political gamesmanship going on to keep them from rebuilding the temple. Rebuilding the temple was a major undertaking. It wasn't going well. The local opposition is against them. And it would be easy to think, well, maybe God isn't with us. Maybe he doesn't want us to rebuild the temple. Maybe this just isn't going to work. And they didn't believe that it could happen. Now, I know that not many of us knew what Haggai cared about, but um, how many of us have seen the new Top Gun movie? Okay, no judgment. Just because we saw a Top Gun movie, didn't know what Haggai was about, that's okay. Okay, opening weekend, I saw it twice. It was my wife's, the original was one of my wife's favorite movies. So opening weekend of Maverick, We saw it twice. Um, Now I'm going to, because a lot of you didn't raise your hands, I'm going to try not to give away too many details of the movie, but Maverick is training young pilots for what is a near impossible mission. And at one point in the movie, he is relieved of his duties as their trainer. And at that point, the young pilots really doubt that the mission they were training for could be accomplished. And Again, Tom Cruise's character isn't with them anymore. And they need Maverick. And so in classic Maverick style, he shows up in a unique way to make them believe that the mission can be done. And at the end of that scene, you can just sense it, not just for the characters, but like in the whole theater, those of us watching, Maverick is with us. We can do this. We can do this. There was a time when Jesus' disciples were in a boat at night on the Sea of Galilee, and a storm came upon them. And Jesus starts walking on the water towards them. And as we read in Mark 6, when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. And they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. And immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. All the disciples needed was Jesus' presence. Likewise, the Israelites needed God's spirit. Who cares about the work of God? Yes, the work seems near impossible, and you have opposition that you don't know how to overcome. Do not fear. I am with you, God says. And there are moments when we are resigned to a certain reality of life. We're not sure how God's going to is at work, we're not sure if God's going to use us, we're not sure what our faith is going to end up looking like. And he says, you know, I know you've got opposition that you don't know how to overcome. Don't fear. I'm with you. So there's this resignation in the people, and Haggai reassures them that the Ruach, the Spirit of God, is with them. But he also tells them that God will provide for the work that you need resources, God says, I will provide the resources. In verses 6 to 8 of the passage. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Rebuilding the temple was an expensive endeavor. They had been in exile for 70 years, so they didn't have many resources. Their first couple of years back in Jerusalem were not profitable financially. So how in the world were they going to be able to afford to rebuild this glorious temple? And God says, you keep up the work I have assigned you. And in a little while, I will shake the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the dry land. Earthquakes were a sign or metaphor for God's activity. And for those of you who have ever experienced one, you know they come out of nowhere and they cannot be escaped. I've experienced quite a few when I lived in Southern California. Everything just kind of starts shaking. And the shaking gets more intense the longer the earthquake goes on. And if it goes on long enough... You start looking for a place to get under, whether it's a doorway or something sturdy that you can go under. You are at the mercy of the earthquake. While God's actions, they come out of nowhere. And when God's acts, there is no escaping it. God says, the silver and the gold are mine. I will shake the earth and the nations will come. In other words, I will provide what you need by having the other nations give you what you need. Which is exactly what happens. The resources they need come from the other nations. And you can go to Ezra chapter 6. And some of the very people who oppose their work are the ones who provide them with the resources to complete the temple. So who cares about the work of God? You don't have the resources you need, get to work anyway. And God says, I will shake the nations and I will get you what you need. And when it comes to the work of God, we will not always have the resources right in front of us. And God will come and say, get to work. I will get you what you need. So, in fighting this resignation of the people, this whole idea that the temple will never be as good as the old one. Haggai reassures them about God's presence and about God's provision. And then Haggai gives them a revelation. And that revelation is the future is going to outdo the past. Verse nine, where it says, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, says the Lord Almighty." It is human nature to look at the uncertainty of the present and find comfort in the past when we only remember how good things were. And we find ourselves not just wishing to go back to a simpler time, but trying to recreate that time in the here and now, you know, the good old days. That's not how God operates. It may be human nature to look to the past and remember how good it was back then, but it is divine nature to look to the future and say, how much better it is going to be. Have you ever wondered what the Garden of Eden must have been like? You know, before the serpent, before the tree, before sin. How cool it must have been to walk with God in the garden. No fear, no shame, just innocence. And then we blew it and ate from that dumb tree. And sometimes we just want to go back to the garden, go back to an age of innocence. God isn't interested in going back. God is interested in moving forward. Jesus did not die on a tree so that we could go back to the garden. Jesus died and rose again so that we could experience a new earth, a new heaven, a new Jerusalem. God is not working to restore our innocence. God is working for our redemption. Who cares about the work of God? Yes, the temple will not be like it was before. Do not fear. I am with you. I will provide. The temple will not be like it was before. It's going to be better. Attain a glory the old one never saw. And there will be peace. There are moments when we are resigned to the certain reality of life and not sure how it's all gonna work out, or where God's at work in all of it. Not sure how we're gonna make it through. And we look back and say, man, our faith is never gonna be like that again. And God comes and says, you're right, your faith won't be like it was before. Don't fear, I'm with you, I'll get you what you need. It won't be like it was before, it's gonna be better. Now, let's get to work. Who cares about the work of God? And the Israelites, they do rebuild the temple. And 500 years later, when Jesus comes to that temple, it has been restored. And thanks to people like Herod the Great, it's surpassed its former glory. And Jesus is at the temple. And he says something perplexing. Destroy this temple, and I will rebuild it in three days. Now those listening... Knew for a fact you could not rebuild that temple in three days. And as many of you as and many of you know this, that Jesus wasn't talking about the temple, he was talking about himself. Jesus died for our sins, and three days later Jesus rose from the dead. That's the gospel, and the gospel is real. And the gospel changes everything. And the reality of the gospel is God always cares about his work. There are times when our faith is on fire. There are times when our faith is fading. There are times when our faith seems finished. And in every one of those times, God never stops caring about his work in us and through us. Now, Haggai is only quoted one time in the entire New Testament. And the only time that Haggai is quoted in the New Testament is in Hebrews chapter 12. And Hebrews chapter 12 quotes a part of the passage we read today. Haggai 2 verse 6. Hebrews 12 says, At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And the words, once more, indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Hebrews is saying, God shook the earth, the created order, to benefit that which cannot be shaken, his kingdom. We are a part of a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And everything we do that God uses for the kingdom, that will remain. And that's the opportunity that lies before us to make eternal differences. And our participation in the kingdom, in the here and now, has eternal implications. God is always building his kingdom. And here at TFRC, we see God gearing us up. Again, we held our sports camp in the month of June and the final numbers aren't in, but we had in the neighborhood of 250 to 300 kids, not just learning sports fundamentals, but learning some very basic faith fundamentals. We have 40 middle school kids who just returned from a Christian camp. Summer Serve was a huge success. Around 170 of us blessed a neighborhood in Buell. And before this summer is over, We're going to have another 100 kids and youth go to camp, whether it's Hume Lake or Perkins. Young at Heart has a number of outings coming up. We have Vacation Bible School in a couple weeks. We can expect in the neighborhood of another 300 kids there. We're going to be ordaining Devin as a pastor. We'll be commissioning Brett as a pastor. We already have our new children's director in place. We're developing new ministries to launch this fall. Our new building is getting closer and closer to being done. And we are just beginning to lean into our new vision and direction. It's the reality of the gospel. God always cares about his work. And not just his work through us, but his work in us. As it says in Philippians 1, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There are times in our lives when our faith is on fire or is fading or seems finished, and in all of those times, God cares about his work in us and through us. Haggai saw the rebuilding of the temple as a pivotal part of the work of God. Look around. What is happening in your life as we enter the second half of 2022? What do you see as a pivotal part of the work of God in your life? How much do we care about the work of God? Please pray with me. And Lord, we are grateful that regardless of where we find ourselves in our faith, that you always care about what you are doing in and through us. Lord, we thank you for your spirit, your Ruach, present with us. And Lord, I would ask that you would renew in our hearts that sense of anticipation of what it is you're going to do next. And Lord, for that, we are thankful. And it's in the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you